Earlier this month, in fact, not that long ago, Joe Biden was declared the winner by the mainstream media. And as soon as that happened, people flooded into the streets and started dancing and celebrating and singing and taking their masks off and drinking champagne and passing it around, having a good time. And you know what? More power to them. They made the decision for themselves. They wanted to celebrate. And although the media doesn't have the ability to declare a winner, certainly the media is claiming it does. They did project Joe Biden won, thus giving many of these anti-Trump personality pers- uh, individuals something to celebrate. Well, now many of these same people are telling you that you are selfish and you are putting us at risk for daring to have Thanksgiving with your family. Sorry, it's not going to work. People across this country are starting to reject these lockdown orders. And I'm not here to say it's good or bad. That's not my position. I'm just going to let you know what's happening. According to a poll from Gallup, around 33% said they would be very unlikely to actually shelter in place if so ordered. Well, Joe Biden has said that there will be a dark winter, a COVID lockdown. This will destroy the economy. Uh, it'll ruin many people's lives. And I think we've all, we already know what's going to happen based on what we saw earlier in the year. Joe Biden has said he's not so much for lockdowns, but he will trust the scientists. And who's advising Joe Biden? A guy named Dr. Osterholm, who says we need a six week national lockdown. Remember when they said 15 days to slow the spread? 15. That turned into nine months. What do you think six weeks to slow the spread is going to turn into? Well, right now we have a viral video, sort of viral. It's getting posted on select places on, 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 the, on the Internet. Buffalo, New York business owners stand up to Cuomo lockdown orders and chase out Sheriff and the health department. This video is kind of crazy, but this is just one example that I want to show you. What's actually rather shocking is that, well, millions of people are carrying on with their travel plans ahead of Thanksgiving, despite CDC advice to stay home. Not to mention, I have got a huge mess of stories of all of these different sheriff's departments that are saying they will not enforce these lockdowns. Is that good or bad? Well, certainly many people on the left are terrified of COVID and think it's probably a really bad thing. But we have the economy to consider. We have science to consider. And there's already a study going around saying that masks only work if everyone does it, but not everyone is doing it, which kind of results in two arguments. Well, it literally results in two arguments. The right saying, clearly it didn't work then, so why do it? And the left saying, we must mandate everybody wear masks. There's a breaking point. And I think America's met that because people are openly defying these lockdown orders. Well, let's do this. Let's read the news and see what's going on with these lockdowns. And before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. i got a P.O. box if you want to send me some stuff. But the best thing you can do is share this video. This is the kind of stuff I think people need to see um, more than ever. What are What is our society doing in response to, the, to this pandemic? For better or for worse, letting people know. You see, if you're a Democrat, you're probably like, wow, these people are, are disregarding the guidelines. They're going to get everybody sick. Probably want to know about it. And to the people that don't agree with it, probably would like to know that there are millions of people saying, I'm going to spend the holidays with my family. Maybe it'll help you better understand what's happening. But if you think I'm doing a good job sharing rational and reasonable information, please share this video. But don't forget, don't forget to like, uh, subscribe and hit that notification bell. Let's read the story and see what's going on. 
the great COVID getaway. Millions of Americans are carrying on with their travel plans ahead of Thanksgiving weekend, despite CDC advice to stay home as daily virus cases hit a record 193,000 and hospitalizations reach 82K. They say daily deaths also skyrocketed to 2015, the highest number of fatalities per day since May during the initial peak of the virus, according to health data from Johns Hopkins University. The alarming surge shows the nation is facing a second wave of the coronavirus this winter that could be more dangerous and widespread than the initial outbreak earlier this year. Quote, when you look at what's happening now, the rate of the rise is dramatically different. White House Coronavirus Task Force Coordinator Deborah Burks told CNN, this is faster, it's broader, and what worries me, it could be longer. It has also sparked fears among health experts that Thanksgiving travel and holiday gatherings next week will only fuel the spread of the virus and prolong the length of the pandemic. It almost feels like we're being punished for wanting to spend time with the family. They say, if you do this, it will make the lockdown longer. Will it? Remember what happened in, in Michigan when the protesters came out saying, we do not agree this is un- with, with Whitmer, what you're doing is unconstitutional. She said, well, now because they came out, we're going to have to enact harsher restrictions. It's almost like these people are sadistic and they like seeing other people suffer. I saw a series of tweets from some conservatives and liberals saying, now's the perfect excuse to avoid seeing your family and some people won't take it. And I, I saw that and I was like, This may come as a surprise to you, but some people love their families and want to see them. What's particularly interesting is the argument that this could be the last time you get to see some family members considering the pandemic. So people are like, therefore, I'm going to go and see my family. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. What I'm going to do. I've never been one uh, big on Thanksgiving and Christmas anyway, but I'm going to have, you know, some friends over and well within the guidelines, nothing too outrageous. I'm not going to be traveling. That's just me. I got nowhere to really travel to. But these photos show us the COVID scare. I don't think it's 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 got people worried. And you know why? To be completely honest. Well, actually blame Democrats. I know how cliche is this? Certainly there are some Republicans who have flaunted mask uh, uh, wearing masks and have gotten sick. Latest report is that Don Jr., has tested positive for COVID, but he's asymptomatic. There have been many people in the White House, and these are Republicans for the most part, who have gotten COVID. But for the most part, they've been kind of okay. Now, that was their choice, and they got sick. But I'll tell you what I find interesting. First, the Republicans aren't the ones screaming the end is nigh. It's typically Democrats that are more worried about COVID, and the polling shows us this. But when you see Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, multiple times violate the lockdown to go and have an indoor dinner with some with people who are apparently on the medical board, which is hilarious in California. You see Mayor Lori Lightfoot getting her hair done. You see Nancy Pelosi getting her hair done. You see Gretchen Whitmer getting her hair done. They are not scared. They're not scared at all. Why? Why are they telling us we have to be terrified and locked down and this could last a year and they don't take it seriously? It's almost like they're overhyping things or trying to sow panic and fear for some reason. I don't know why. Perhaps it's because of the Great Reset, an opportunity to reset global capitalism. Well, sure, maybe. I don't know. I can just tell you they certainly don't act. the uh, You know, they're, they're, they're not acting as though they believe what they're saying. And that's a problem. Because I'll tell you this, when regular people see Governor Gavin Newsom saying, I'm going to have a special gathering with my friends, but you shouldn't, they're going to say, oh, shut up. And they're going to disregard it. They're going to disregard it when they see things like this. 
from DW.com. Americans celebrate Joe Biden's victory. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris won the 2020 election. Okay, well, they didn't just yet. That's December 14th. But you get the point. All of these photos. Look at this. People jumping up and down, spraying champagne all over everybody. Wonderful. You want to talk about a super spreader event? Let's talk about all this. Now, to be fair, they're all wearing masks. But when they're taking their masks off and sharing champagne, I don't think it matters all that much. More importantly, how are you going to tell people they can gather by the thousands, but then everyone else can't just go see their friends and their families? They're not going to buy it. And we are going to start seeing open defiance. This story from Gallup, Americans less amenable to another COVID-19 lockdown. They say about half of Americans in Gallup's latest polling on the COVID-19 pandemic, 49% said they would be very likely to stay home for a month if public health officials recommended it due to a serious outbreak of the virus in their community. This contrasts with solid majorities in the spring who said they were likely to comply with such shelter in place advice including a high of 67% in late March, early April. Check this out. In late March, 67% of people said they were very likely to shelter in place if given the order. As of today, 49% say they are more likely. In March, 18%, I'm sorry, 15% said they would be very or somewhat unlikely to actually uh, shelter in place. And as of October 19th, November 1st, 30 3%. I have to imagine it's actually going to go uh, way higher than that. And the reason is this was asked of people before the holiday season. We've got Thanksgiving, then we've got Christmas, and then we've got New Year's. And you're asking people to destroy their lives, their businesses, their income, and then they're not see their families and their friends. Some people are going to do it. But I'll tell you what, you know what I find interesting? Joe Biden's biggest uh, boon in terms of support, unmarried women. If you don't have a family, you probably care less about being locked down. You don't have anyone you have to feed or you're not responsible for the most part. I'm sure there are, you know, there's probably uh, unmarried women who have kids and unmarried women who have, uh, uh, you know, parents or whatever they take care of. But I'm not trying to single out unmarried women. That's not the case. I'm trying to point out is that young millennials who don't have kids who don't have families and are not responsible for anybody else, they don't care about locking down because they're not responsible for anybody else. But imagine you're a dad and you got kids and you're like, if we shut down, how am I going to get food on the table for my family? Imagine you've got old parents who need support, need help. And what happens if they shut everything down? Many of these millennials, look, they're in their 30s. They don't have kids. Look, I'm 35. I don't have kids, but I do have people who are responsible for me uh, that I'm responsible for. And you know, I kind of run a business on the internet, which you're listening to. So for me, I'm pretty much okay. But for most Americans, they can't do it. They can't. And I got to tell you, it's not just about whether or not they're going to feed their families. It's about whether or not they're going to get to see their families. These are photos coming across from uh, all over the country. They say COVID travel restrictions in 50 states. Uh, I'm sorry. They're showing a map of this. There are travel restrictions across the East Coast, New England, and the West Coast. They say with the holidays around the corner, Dr. Burke said Americans should help mitigate the spread of infections by limiting their Thanksgiving gatherings to immediate family members rather than a maximum number of people. The CDC on Thursday also recommended people avoid traveling during the holidays, as we all know. Long lines of passengers were seen snaking around terminals, Chicago O'Hare International Airport on Friday, with little social distancing practicing observed. This says to me, 
It's not working. Maybe that's a bad thing for us, but people just don't care anymore. Let me show you this. I pulled up a, a whole bunch of these stories. DeSoto County Sheriff refuses to enforce COVID-19 mandates. Governor Reeves responds. We'll come back to this. Sacramento Sheriff refuses to share, uh, share COVID-19 case information with state oversight board. U.S. sheriffs rebel against state mask orders even as COVID-19 spreads. This is from back in July. In Arizona, Arizona sheriff who refused to enforce lockdown now has COVID-19. Well, he got COVID. The point is, I'm showing you, many people are saying no to this. Growing number of North Carolina sheriffs say they won't enforce statewide mask order. This one is Iron County Sheriff says he won't enforce statewide COVID-19 mandates. From Arizona, Arizona sheriff refuses to enforce lockdowns. Now as COVID, we get it. Curfews, stay-at-home orders, and mask mandates. Even more governors tighten virus rules as testing lines grow. So what are we seeing? The people who are supposed to be enforcing this across the country are not necessarily even being uh, gonna, uh, going to do it. Probably because, well, when you see, Gov- when you see Gre- uh, Gavin Newsom, Nancy Pelosi, Lori Lightfoot, Gretchen, Witch- uh, Gretchen Whitmer, these Democrats ignoring their own rules, why would anyone take them seriously? I know the old saying is, do as I say, not as I do, but you have to lead by example. If you're telling people that there's no, uh, that there's a very serious crisis, but at the same time, you're telling them to run and hide, they're going to look at you and see what you're doing. And then they're probably just going to say, I don't believe you. Well, here's what's happening now from Fox News. Even more governors on Thursday tightened restrictions across the U.S. in an effort to stem the spread of the coronavirus, as Americans yet again are reportedly dealing with long lines and wait times for results of coronavirus tests ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday. Governors in in California, Maine, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, and Arkansas on Thursday joined a slew of other states in announcing new limits on where residents can go, what they can do, and who they can be with as virus cases continue to rise. On Thursday, New cases in the U.S. again exceeded 170,000, according to Johns Hopkins University, far higher than the numbers seen in the surges of the spring or summer. Meanwhile, many coronavirus testing sites around the country are seeing a growing number of Americans attempting to get tested and are unable to efficiently handle the rush, according to reports. CBS Denver reported that some testing sites in Colorado were reaching their capacity by about 9 a.m. The New York Times last week reported hours-long lines for tests in that state. The Baltimore Sun reported Thursday that in Maryland, some sites are also struggling to handle as uh, handle lines as Governor Larry Hogan urges those entering the state for the Thanksgiving holiday to get coronavirus tests. I think you get the point. There's kind of a split happening, and it's been happening for quite some time, and it ties in with the election. It ties in with the culture war, and it ties in with politics. The left is following the narrative of the mainstream media marching to the beat of their drum. Absolutely. And without question. And so when the media says, oh, no, COVID, they say, yes, sir. How high should I jump? When these governors say lock everything down, they say, oh, thank heaven, someone is keeping us safe. They don't seem to know or care that these politicians aren't following their own rules. Conservatives, on the other hand, don't seem to care at all. But you know what? I think what we're really seeing is that the social media obsessed bubble world of the left is well, they're extremely isolated. Regular people don't seem to care. And that's the big that, that's that's the main point. Looking back at this video, you can see that people in Buffalo, New York are just outright. They actually end up chasing the people out of the building. I shouldn't say chasing, but they're yelling. They yell things like this is a Black Lives Matter protest. Now you have to leave something like that. It's actually kind of funny. 
while they're still getting criticism because you've got many of these leftists saying that, oh, no, they're ignoring COVID. More and more people are starting to ignore this. Look at these photos. Chicago. Long lines of passengers were seen snaking around the terminals at Chicago O'Hare International Airport on Friday with little social distancing practicing observed. We have this one. Uh, with the recent week's soaring numbers of coronavirus cases in Illinois prompted Governor J.B. Pritzker to reimpose harsher restrictions on social interaction. Here's the main point of this segment. I know there's a lot going on with the election, and I know that there's a lot going on uh, with uh, the culture war and politics. And right now there's a recount happening in, in uh, I'm sorry, in Wisconsin. Donald Trump is challenging ballots and they're calling in election observers and all this stuff. But you know what? While I know many people might not be super concerned about all this right now, considering the election craziness, I, ho- I think there's probably a lot of people who need to know what's happening because the holidays are coming up. You're probably going to be spending some time with your families. And it's probably important you know what's happening when it comes to travel and the coronavirus lockdowns. Me personally, I think we need to spend time with our families. I think too many people are going to face serious depression, especially as the season changes and you see more seasonal. I think it's called seasonal effective effectiveness disorder or something like that, where it starts to get darker and people start to get depressed. We need our families more than ever. But they are telling us to ignore the holidays, to not celebrate them while they ignore their own rules. COVID is going to be uh, destroying the economy. That seems very likely. If these governors lock everything down based on what we've seen so far, then it's going to be bad for everybody. But my, my, I wonder then with all of these sheriffs that I've just shown you who are saying that they're not going to enforce these rules, will we just see open defiance? Dr. Fauci, you know, Dr. Fauci, I called uh, uh, Dr. Burks, Deborah Burks earlier. So I figure someone's going to mad that I called Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci said America has an independent spirit, but it's time to do what you're told. I'm not so convinced. You can't just mandate things that are unconstitutional. And in several states already in the past year, we've already seen them lose in their court cases, even though Governor Gretchen Whitmer has lost the legislative level and the and the uh, Supreme Court of Michigan level. She is still now saying she will be enforcing covid lockdown. But her AG, when the Supreme Court ruling was issued, said they wouldn't they wouldn't be enforcing this. It seems like right now the lockdown is a soft lockdown. If you want to travel, you can. My recommendation to anybody who's traveling against the guidance of the CDC is just to wear a mask and, and be safe. But it looks like you're going to be dealing with long lines. And there's probably something something good to this, because I'll tell you this. My stance is absolutely against the lockdowns. I think we need to protect the vulnerable and we need to be re- we need to be responsible for ourselves. If you choose to go out and you might get sick, you might get other people sick. But those are also people who have chosen to go out. Well, then so be it. We cannot be a nation that is scared to go outside because sometimes people get sick. If we were dealing with something like airborne Ebola and people's insides were liquefying and is a zombie plague, then I'd be like, everyone, please stay inside. And ultimately, I do think it comes down to a level of fear that really does kind of explain it. A lot of people I know on the left believe that if they go out, they will get COVID. And I'm like, dude, the likelihood you get it is like astronomically as astronomical. It's like slim to none. You could probably get it, be an asymptomatic carrier and then spread it to somebody else. But I think people are definitely overreacting. Case in point, this is a map of the daily deaths. They say they surged to 2015 yesterday. Now that's serious. It's getting us close to the peak of where we were earlier in the year. But my question then is, if we've already been wearing masks, what more can you do? If we've already been locked down, what more can you do? Do we just destroy 
the economy of our country and many others, and then see mass starvation throughout the third world? Or do we get on with our lives? Number of new infections per day is higher than it's ever been. So something doesn't quite add up. Take a look at this. Earlier in the year, we were seeing a decent amount of total cases per day. What does it, look like? it looks like around 30,000 30, or so. But the number of deaths earlier in the year was around, uh, I would say, averaging just under 2,000, maybe 1,500 to 2,000. Today, even though the cases are substantially higher, the number of deaths is actually lower than the highest point, And it's lower than the average during the peak period, in which case treatments are way better. Hospitalizations aren't even nearly as high. So why are we going insane? You know what? I'll tell you this. Maybe you should just do what it is the Democrats do. If you see Governor Gavin Newsom doing it, hey, just do what they do, right? They are leading by example. So if you see Mayor Lori Lightfoot go out and do whatever she wants, then so be it. Well, here's the official guidance from the CDC. They say the CDC and uh, is strongly advising Americans not travel for Thanksgiving and not spend the holiday with people from outside their household. The recommendation from the nation's top public health agency yesterday is some of the firmest guidance yet from the government on curtailing traditional gatherings to fight the outbreak. With regard to those who who do still decide to travel, the CDC recommends doing so as safely as possible, which includes wearing a mask while in public, maintaining social distancing and washing hands often with soap and water. Airlines say a record number of Americans are canceling flights following the CDC gui- uh, CDC's guidance. New data from the tr- from the TSA shows that just 907,000 people passed through checkpoints on Thursday, down from 2.4 million who did so the same time last year, a 62% drop. An estimated 2.4 million people are still expected to fly over the busiest days, but that's half of the number that did in 2019. In a bid to curb the spread, the CDC is warning that large indoor household gatherings this holiday season could make the situation even worse. If families do decide to include returning college, uh, to include returning college students, military members or others for turkey and stuffing, the CDC is recommending that the host take added precautions. Gatherings should be should be outdoors if possible, with people keeping six feet apart and wearing masks and just one person serving the food. Now, whether or not you want to adhere to those guidelines, these are guidelines, not hard laws. Doesn't seem like sheriffs are going to be coming and coming out to mess with you if that's the case. So ultimately, I don't know. You look, I got to be honest with you. I got a bunch of segments that I figure could probably get way more views and probably would be way more shocking. But the truth is, as much as the left likes to say that I'm a grifter, I don't just do segments that I think will will play be- the best. I actually think this this is is really important to talk about. I've been seeing a lot of people want to talk talking about going with their families. I have friends who are going to spend time with their families for Thanksgiving, and I think it's only fair that we have an honest discussion about what's happening with COVID, what you can do as Thanksgiving is coming up, and what other people are doing as well. My personal opinion, I would, uh, if it were me. I'd probably go spend Thanksgiving with my family. Uh, and that's that. And I'm not going to stress about it. Where I live, they're, they're starting to put more lockdowns in place. And it seems crazy, especially when you live near the border of some of these smaller states where you can literally drive five minutes and just everything's normal. It doesn't seem to make all that much sense. So I can't tell you. Don't take advice from me. Take advice from your doctor. If you're going to go out and do this stuff, make sure you stay safe. Talk to your doctor about what you need to do and what makes the most sense. But ultimately, let me put it this way. I wanted to talk about how people are openly defying COVID and they're not going to stand for this. So I hope I got that point across, whether it's good or bad, I'm not saying. But at the same time, I wanted to like let people know about what's happening with uh, with travel for Thanksgiving because it's this week. So look, 
Thanks for hanging out. Um, do your thing for the holidays, whatever it might be. If you want to see more of the political stuff, I'll get back into the political stuff over at youtube.com slash timcastnews coming up at 6 p.m. So I don't know, obligatory holiday travel segment, I guess, considering the pandemic. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you over at youtube.com slash timcastnews at 6 p.m. New Supreme Court circuit assignments have many Trump supporters believing groundwork is being laid so that Donald Trump can win with a legal challenge. And I got to say two things here. The first, it feels very much like wishful thinking. Wait, here's how Hillary Clinton could still become president. It seems like most of the mainstream, most of the political establishment has moved on already, to be completely fair. And I think a lot of people are looking too much into this. But I would normally just write something like this off. And for the most part, I don't necessarily think there's anything here with the SCOTUS stuff, but we'll look at it. But the propaganda coming out of the media is shockingly dystopian. Reuters putting out a video today, once again, lying, claiming that Donald Trump is dropping a key element of his lawsuit. And I can't understand how this would get past all their editors, their fact checkers. They just put out overt fake news. And this is this is crazy to me. But people believe it. People believe that Donald Trump has given up on his lawsuit. Why? Well, think about this. You got this new Supreme Court assignment. They're basically putting Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh overseeing some key important states. We'll get to it. And that's why people think, you know, that they might be laying the groundwork for a Trump victory. But think about how the media has repeatedly said over and over and over again that Joe Biden won. Joe Biden is president elect. Let's be very clear. Legally, there is no argument. Joe Biden is not president elect. The Electoral College hasn't met yet. What they're going through is some kind of media tradition where they declare the winner. And the craziest thing is I was reading an article yesterday where they said, we've already declared Joe Biden the winner. And I'm like, you don't get to do that. Sorry, that's not how it works. It's got to go to the Electoral College. Now we're hearing from Michigan. Some of these state uh, leaders are saying they're not going to flip the results for Trump. Georgia already certified for Joe Biden. So it it really doesn't seem likely, I guess. But if it was true that Donald Trump really had no path to victory through a legal challenge, then why would the media lie? I understand why they lie about Trump, but just putting out bunk information about Trump's suit seems very strange to me. And if it really was true that Donald Trump had no path to victory, why would all of these articles start popping up saying Donald Trump is trying to subvert the election? Surely they could just ignore the madman, right? But they're not. Over and over again, articles are popping up saying Donald Trump is trying to subvert the election. It's almost like first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then you win or something like that. We're going through some kind of like slow motion process, it feels like. Maybe it stops here, maybe it doesn't go any further. But it started with them saying, we won, it's over, goodbye. Then it went to Trump is just stomping his feet. Now it's Trump is trying to, to overturn the results of the election. Now Trump's got a screen. Uh, 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 now, now there's articles saying Trump's got a scheme to completely upend the political uh, system of this country. It's like you're slowly graduating towards more and more. Oh, no, Donald Trump, he's actually doing something and it might be working. So I'm like, if we continue on this track by Monday, we're supposed to get an update on the Michigan certification. And what if the next the state board, uh, uh, which is two Republicans and two Democrats, says we're not going to certify? Then Michigan's in play. I don't know. Part of me says it very much is in line with this. Hillary can still win, you know, and, and if Trump loses, I'm whatever. 
My take on this is, you know, man, I don't know. I don't see any evidence of widespread voter fraud. And that's true. I see evidence of widespread voter irregularities. So I'll clarify. To prove fraud, you got to prove intent and you got to find the malicious actors. That's really hard to do. We can say there's irregularities that we investigate and then maybe go, go on from there. But that's, that's, that's not even up for debate. It's not a left or right wing position. What's crazy about the current iteration of left and right is that the basic difference between left wing and right wing is right or wrong. And I, and I, and I mean it seriously. There's a, there's a, there's a thing called transparency tube and they, they, they put people in different categories based on like left or right. And they try to break it down. And I'm like, what qualifies someone to be left wing is that they're wrong about stuff. And I know maybe that's a right wing bias thing, right? No, but I mean, quite literally, they're wrong. So they, they, they include me in this thing saying, uh, I support Trump's claim of widespread voter fraud cost in the election. I certainly do not. I never said that. In fact, I've said, if you've got evidence, show it to me and I look forward to seeing it. But until then, I'm chilling. But they, it's the only distinction they can really make in trying to break down left and right. There absolutely is evidence of widespread voter irregularity. We have the Voter Integrity Fund showing us a massive sampling of Republican ballots never being received. There you go. And there's more than that. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's take a look at what's going on in the Supreme Court, because that's what you're really here for, right? And then we'll talk about, does Trump really have a path to victory? I think he does. Amy Howe for SCOTUS blog writes, court issues new circuit assignments. A little less than a month after the confirmation of Justice Amy Coney Barrett, the Supreme Court on Friday issued a new set of circuit justice assignments, which take effect immediately. I believe I have those assignments right here, but this is the actual document from the Supreme Court. But let's let's read the article and see what they're breaking down. Amy Coney Barrett was assigned to the Seventh Circuit, where she served as a judge for three years before becoming a justice. Two other justices, Sonia Sotomayor and Neil Gorsuch, were assigned to the for, uh, for the first time to the circuits where they had previously served as judges. Sotomayor to the second and Gorsuch, uh, Gorsuch to the 10th. I don't know how to pronounce his name. A circuit justice is primarily responsible for emergency requests. For example, an application to block an execution or allow it to go forward from the geographic area covered by his or her circuit, as well as more mundane matters, such as requests to extend filing deadlines. However, Justices can and often do refer significant emergency requests to the full court, a role that has taken on increased importance in recent years with the sharp uptick in activity on the court's shadow docket. A map of geographical regions covered by each state or each circuit is available here. And wait until I show you. But let's read more. Sotomayor's move to the Second Circuit, which had previously been assigned to the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who grew up in New York and lived there. They say uh, kicked off a game of musical circuits among the justices. Sotomayor had previously been responsible for the 10th circuit, which is now assigned to Gorsuch, as well as the 6th, which is now assigned to Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh, who had previously been assigned to the 7th, also took on the 8th, ceding the 7th to Barrett. The new circuit assignments signaled a reprieve for Justice Stephen Breyer, who normally serves as a circuit justice on the relatively small first circuit. Since Ginsburg's death in September, Breyer has also been pinch hitting under the Supreme Court's rules as the circuit justice for the larger and busier Second Circuit. Emergency requests and applications for extensions from the Second Circuit will now go initially to Sotomayor instead. Okay, let's let's uh, let's see what's going on here. Uh, let's, let's take a look at the important ones. Well, let's look at, take a look at the map first. We know that Brett Kavanaugh was just assigned to the sixth. Why? That includes Michigan. Amy Coney Barrett was just assigned to the seventh. Why? That includes Wisconsin. What else is going on? The third, Pennsylvania. Who, who got assigned to the third? The third is Samuel Alito. 
junior associate justice. Well, of course, we know Alito was the one he was already assigned to Pennsylvania. He was ordering them to segregate ballots, which was a victory for the Trump campaign. Not that I think it had a, a major effect necessarily, but now you've got Alito on Pennsylvania, Kavanaugh on Michigan, and Amy Coney Barrett on <laughs> Wisconsin. And then you have, here's the, the, for the 11th Circuit, Clarence Thomas. Why the 11th covers Georgia. A lot of Trump supporters are looking at this, a lot of people in general, and they're saying like, whoa, and, and I'm not, I'm not all that excited. Listen, we have nine justices, okay? It is, I will say, a bit convenient for the Trump campaign that he's got Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett covering two states that he needs to win uh, uh, if he wants to um, find his legal path to victory, uh, freezing certification of certain states. Well, Michigan is saying they're going to certify. Nothing's going to change. But, well, actually, no, no, no. That's how the media is putting it out. The media is saying this. In reality, we don't, what they've really said is we don't have any information that would result in us doing this, right? And so the media is playing this really weird game. So here's Senator Mike Shirky being ambushed, being asked if he believes in democracy. And the left is shocked. He wouldn't answer any of the questions. Okay, okay, fine. Ambush journalism is trash. Jumping on somebody and being like, ah, answer the questions. They're not going to do it. So it doesn't mean anything. But I thought it was interesting. It would be interesting to show anyway. But here's the Wall Street Journal opinion. Georgia certifies Donald Trump lost a recount changed little as the evidence of ballot fraud fails to appear. The editorial board. Well, that's not what Trump's complaint was about. Trump's complaint wasn't wasn't about doing a recount. It was about doing an audit to make sure that they weren't fraudulent ballots, which they didn't do. They didn't do a full uh, signature verification. But if Trump loses, he loses. The reality is I'm not entirely convinced Trump needs Georgia anyway. If Trump gets Arizona, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, any combination of those three, he can win. Again, it really does feel like a lot of people have wishful thinking. Okay, I look, it's starting to feel really weird when you see these things pop up, when you see the media lie. That's what makes me uh, wonder. These fake news stories coming out are why I believe there may be a Trump victory. It's like uh, Michael Malice said, if they weren't losing, the propaganda wouldn't be necessary. They're losing. They're desperately pumping out propaganda. Take a look at this. Reuters posted this 31 minutes before I recorded the segment, which I record just a little bit after nine. The uh, 9 a.m. I publish about 10. The Trump's campaign dropped a major part of a lawsuit seeking to stop Pennsylvania from certifying its results in the presidential election. Okay, so I pulled up the link. The story is from November 15th, and it is absolutely not true. They never dropped this. Why is Reuters putting out debunked fake news from six days ago on Twitter today? Why did the Washington Post? Why did Politico? It's absolutely not true. There's an audio recording from this week of Giuliani arguing to the court about these ballots they claim have been removed. That's weird. They say U.S. President Donald Trump's campaign on Sunday dropped a major part of a lawsuit it brought to seek seeking to halt Pennsylvania from certifying its results. In an amended complaint, they say, blah, blah, blah. The Trump campaign dropped a claim that election officials unlawfully blocked observers from watching the counting of mail-in ballots in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. The pared-down lawsuit now focuses on a claim that Democratic-leaning counties unlawfully allowed voters to fix errors in their mail-in ballots in violation of state law. Officials have said the dispute affects a small number of ballots. Joe Biden is expected to win by more than 60,000 votes. That's just not true. 
Giuliani was literally arguing in court that these mail-in ballots, I'm sorry, uh, the ballots that were being counted with no observers could have been written by Mickey Mouse is the famous line. The story is from Sunday. This week, Giuliani said the now famous line to the judge when the judge said, what do you want me to do? Disenfranchise the entire state? He, he said, we didn't have observers. I'll tell you this. If you pull up the docket, the actual, the, I'm sorry, the actual complaint, you can see on page 52, I think it's 52, paragraph 142, paragraph 142, go find it. Literally says 682,000 ballots were counted with no observers. Why is the media putting out this again? Another lie. Far be it from me to know, but uh, it seems like they're desperately trying to erode Trump's base of support, perhaps convincing Trump supporters that he's given up the fight. Maybe that's weird. You know, even if the argument was they dropped this part of their suit and we don't mean that they got rid of it. We just mean they're focusing on something else. They're literally not. I listened. There's three hours of audio from this hearing and I listened to like an hour of it. It's kind of funny, kind of boring for the most part. But Giuliani literally brings up the, the observers. It's a key part of their lawsuit. It's in the complaint. Why did they put this out? This is crazy. It's like they looked at this. They went to some paragraphs that were stricken and then claimed, that's it. They're all gone. No, no, no more, no more. But they're literally in there. I can't imagine this was, a, this uh, was an accident because this story has already gone through a process, uh, has already gone through the news cycle. The Trump campaign has already released a statement saying this isn't true. So why would Reuters not correct this? I have no idea, man. They're just really, really bad at their jobs. At a certain point, Occam's razor would suggest this was intentional. And I'll tell you why. They have, Reuters has, an, has a fact-checking process. They have an editorial process. They've got multiple safeguards and redundancies to prevent them putting out a six-day-old story that the Trump campaign has already issued a comment on, de- rejecting, where you can already look it up. That means, I'm sorry, having worked in a newsroom, I do not see any plausible reality in which this was accidentally republished a week later after the Trump campaign already said that's not true. The weirdest thing about this is the people arguing with me saying it is true. It is true. I'm like, I'm not saying Trump is right. I'm saying he literally argued this in court. And they're like, no, you didn't. <laughs> there's a video. There's an audio recording released by the by the Supreme Court. No, you're wrong. OK, fine, whatever. I don't care. The New York Times puts it this way. Georgia and Michigan deliver blows to Trump's efforts to undo the election. Undo it. It's not been it's not ended. It's the craziest thing. Maybe one of the goals of all these outlets in this writing is to convince you the election ended a long time ago and that Trump's actual legal challenges have no merit. Maybe they don't, but he certainly is within the deadlines to do what he's doing. Now, if Trump goes to the Michigan legislature and says, don't certify, appoint me the winner anyway. That's messed up. I'm not a fan of that at all. And I, I, I voted for Trump. I want him to win. Not like that, though. Absolutely not. If there's a legal challenge and a legitimate reason why, you know, uh, these, these uh, politicians or these state board members don't want to certify, I respect that. In Wayne County, you had the two Republicans saying, look at all these discrepancies. If they're not accounted for, I'm not going to certify. I respect that. They eventually certified, then they rescinded. So I have no idea what's going on there just yet. But Monday, it goes up to the next level, the state certification, and you've got two Republicans and two Democrats, in which case they might jam it up again. That, in my opinion, is scary, problematic, but it's fine. It's a part of the legal process. However, if Trump, you know, Trump called a meeting with some of these Michigan legislators 
And there's concerns that he's lobbying them to intervene in some capacity. I don't think they can. I don't think the state legislators have the, uh, the, the power right now to change anything. But it, maybe they'll lobby someone else. Look, the point is, if Trump goes someone and says, I don't care, don't do it, that's not good. If someone says, I looked at these results and they're questionable, that's fine. Not ideal. Absolutely not. The New York Times says, Joseph R. Biden Jr. was certified as the winner in Georgia. And Michigan Republicans said they had no information that would change the tally in a state. Mr. Biden also won. Really interesting phrasing there. We have no information that would change the tally in the state. Biden also won. Is that is that what they really said? Is that a quote? Because that's a weird thing to say. They say President Trump's attempt to undo the election results was undercut twice by fellow Republicans on Friday. As Georgia became the first contested state to certify Joseph R. Biden's victory, and Michigan lawmakers, after meeting with the president, said they would not intervene in the state's election certification process. Does that mean Trump lost? No. We have to wait until Monday. I kind of have this feeling that come Monday, they're going to refuse to certify, and we're slowly moving toward a reality where Trump starts flipping things over. I don't, I don't know what the likelihood is. I don't know. I really don't. But why would they be pumping out such ridiculous fake news unless Trump was actually succeeding in certain areas? Another bit of fake news they keep pushing is that Trump's like he, he won two lawsuits out of 31 or something like that. But Trump hasn't actually filed that many lawsuits. Most of those lawsuits, at least according to the Democracy Docket, which is a leftist website, and the Trump campaign themselves, they filed like three, I think, maybe four. The media is lying about what Trump is doing to make it seem like he's losing. Why? Why? He's not really losing yet. Nothing's happened for the most part. But that's that's not the narrative they're putting out. Here's what they say. After steady complaints by Mr. Trump about the Georgia vote, Brad Raffensperger bluntly declared Friday, I live by the motto that numbers don't lie and made official the final tally showing Mr. Biden had defeated Trump by 12,670 votes out of roughly 5 million cast. Governor Brian Kemp, also a Republican, tersely stated that he would sign the certification. Hours later, a delegation of seven Michigan Republicans who had met with Trump at the White House at his request said they had no information that would change the outcome of the election in Michigan. Mr. Biden beat Mr. Trump in the state by nearly three percentage points. Quote, we will follow the law and follow the normal process regarding Michigan's electors, just as we have said throughout this election. The state's top two Republican leaders said in a statement issued by the state legislature, the candidates who win the most votes win, win elections and Michigan's electoral votes, the statement said. Mr. Trump's outreach to state Republicans amid the ongoing vote certification process was condemned by Democrats and election law experts as a dangerous intrusion into the election process. You want to know what the official reason for the meeting was? COVID relief. At least that's what people are saying. I don't know. Uh, maybe, so, so maybe I shouldn't say it was official, but the, the I shouldn't say official, but I guess like the boring reason was that Trump requested to meet with them and they want to discuss potential COVID relief from the federal government. Maybe that's just cover so they could go and discuss with Trump his secret plan to overturn the election. I don't know. And for the most part, I don't care. You know why? We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Maybe that's what Trump is doing. Maybe he's got evidence. Maybe he called him in and said, look at this evidence. And they went, oh, my stars and garters. And then they realized we really can't certify this, can we? We better keep it hush hush to the press. That's a conspiracy. And I'm not a fan of conspiracy theories. I don't think that there's evidence of a centralized effort, widespread conspiracy to subvert Donald Trump. I think if the most possible solution in terms of widespread irregularity is what I refer to over and over again as a standalone complex. We know that Antifa can act independently. 
We know that they can organize events, they can cause problems, they can go out and do their thing, and they don't need a boss to tell them what to do. They know the rules, they know the mission, and they carry it out. It is it is collective effort, but it is not centralized. It is decentralized. It's very simple that in many of these states, there could be widespread irregularity, maybe not enough to overturn the actual results of the election, but certainly they exist, where people just did stuff. No one told them to do it. They just hate Donald Trump. So you have a standalone complex. Perhaps that's the case. Perhaps it's wide, widespread enough that Trump can convince people. But listen, the idea that Trump called these, these Michigan uh, legislators to the White House to plot some coup or something is a conspiracy. There's no conspiracy. Trump maybe brought him in and talked about a million and one things. Trump maybe talked to them about securing the election in the future, probably talked to him about COVID relief. I think it's ridiculous that we're at this point where the mainstream news is pumping out conspiracy theories with no evidence. The only thing we know, they met with Trump. That's it. What did they say? They said they weren't going to, uh, for the most part, they have no information and they plan on certifying as, as state law suggests. Now, that could mean that the state board refuses to certify and they say, we said we're going to follow the law. No certification. I don't know, man. Isn't this a weird time? Because we're so used to this traditional system where it's like the media just does declare Joe Biden the winner. But Joe Biden didn't win. And right now, Joe Biden is fundraising off the public. Did you hear this? I talked about it the other day. He tweeted, he needs money from you to pay for his transition because he can't get it from Trump because he didn't win. How insane is that? Please public fund my transition, even though I have not officially won. That's crazy. There's nothing they can do right now. They're saying Trump needs to allow the, the, the transition process. No, he doesn't, because the Electoral College hasn't certified the vote yet. They really want to get rid of the Electoral College. Maybe this will be their ultimate pretext that Donald Trump ends up winning through the Electoral College and not through the will of the, the popular vote, even in the states. And thus, over the next four years, they'll use that to ram through the National Popular Vote Coalition, finally ending the Electoral College and using this as the justification, which means if that were true, Trump would be winning. I have no idea. I just think we got a lot of crazy stuff going on. Everybody thinks they know. And all I can really do is show you the bits here and there. And I can't even give you the biggest picture. Like I can't show you the full picture because I'm not even zoomed out all the way. I can't see what we're looking at. I can see these pieces here and there. I can tell you the media's lying and it's the worst I've ever seen. No joke. Reuters' story is six days old. The Trump campaign already issued a statement saying it's not true. You can look at the, the, the complaint yourself. Reuters six days later puts out the fake news again. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about 43 minutes from when I start, when I, when I, when I started this video at 8.40 a.m., they uploaded the video. The video itself was uploaded. They chose to put this out. It's not true. Very, very strange. So you know what? Maybe that's the real play. I got no idea, but I'm going to keep covering it. So stick around. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. The Michigan Republican Party is calling for an audit of the Wayne County votes. This is Detroit, and this is a strong indicator they are not going to certify the results of Michigan. You see, the state board is comprised of two Democrats and two Republicans. And if the Republican Party of Michigan is saying we want an audit, they're not likely to get one. And then in return, they're not likely to certify the votes. Now, I could be wrong, completely wrong about this. I'm going to show you what they're saying, but we also have Senate candidate John James is also saying we should not certify the election. It should be delayed. But let's first read what's going on with the GOP. They say, MIGOP demands audit of Wayne County election results. On Tuesday evening, 
The Wayne County Board of Canvassers passed a resolution calling for Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson to audit the election results in Wayne County. And the Michigan Republican Party demands that she follow through. When it became clear that 70% of the Detroit absentee counting boards were out of balance, the Wayne County Board of Canvassers agreed unanimously to request an audit of the Wayne County election results. This comes after Secretary of State's office pledged to help fix issues faced by Wayne County in the August 2020 primary, where 72% of the Detroit absentee counting boards were out of balance. They failed to do so. Can I just point out they probably stole this from Bernie? Nobody wanted Biden, okay? Because I'll tell you what, I'd have taken Bernie over Biden, and I'm not happy with Bernie. Quote, Jocelyn Benson has shirked her responsibility as Secretary of State for far too long, and we are demanding she follow through on an audit of the Wayne County election results, said Michigan Republican Party Chair Laura Cox. Cox continued, we are putting Benson on notice. The Michigan Republican Party will exhaust every legal option to ensure that we uncover the truth of what happened on election night and the days that followed. We will be holding her feet to the fire so that she will do her job and audit this vote. To clarify, 72% of the Detroit absentee counting boards were out of balance, meaning something doesn't make sense. And the response from the Democratic Party in Michigan has been, this happens in every jurisdiction. So you're telling us you have widespread voter irregularities. Like I'm saying, if that's the case, then it sounds like they stole it from Bernie, too. Now, I don't know. I've got no evidence to suggest it was stolen. But I can tell you this. Widespread voter irregularities, probably in, in, in the primary, when Bernie Sanders probably should have won. I got to say, where, where you at, Bernie? You should be calling for an audit. You should have been calling for an audit. But they didn't. You know Why? Because when it was the Democratic primaries, too many people just trusted the party. Now that we have tribal politics, the Republicans are saying, F you, we are not just going to trust you. We want an audit. We need an audit. We do. I'm sorry. That's just a fact. Right now, if you're telling me that 70% of these of accounting boards are out of balance, meaning there are a different number of signatures than there are to the amount of actual voters, audit. I refuse to see the United States presidential election falter because one county doesn't know how to do their job properly. Now, as many of you probably know, the initial Wayne County canvassing board refused to certify Detroit. Ultimately, they agreed to if there was going to be an audit. Jocelyn Benson then said, there's no binding agreement for an audit. Too bad. So they said, we rescind our, we, we rescind our certification. They said, you can't do it. It's too late. I'm not sure it works that way. You know, a lot of people seem to think that a contract is absolute. It's not. Okay. Having done business, let me first say, don't sign something you didn't read. But also, there are contracts where you can, like, let's say you you have a contract. And in it, it says you give away your, you know, the rights to everything you produce, blah, blah, blah. If the intent of the contract is to, like, you know, license out a portion of your content that you make, but it includes this provision somewhere that says you give up all of your rights, you can easily argue out of that in court. Seriously. A lot of people seem to think that, that, oh, I don't know, it's in paper and you signed it. No, you argue and say, this is not the intent of the contract, it was a mistake. And they might say, okay, because you can trick people with contracts. Anyway, long story short, there is a legal process by which to not certify these votes. Just because they, they signed a paper doesn't mean it's done. That's not how the law works. People seem to think that the law is so rigid it doesn't move. It's like, it's, it's literally just people. Have you ever watched arguments? Have you ever actually looked at a court case? It's like the lawyer's like, Your Honor, here's what I think. Your Honor, here's what I think. The judge says, okay, here's what I think. And that's really it. 
So if these people want to rescind their votes, I don't see why a court couldn't agree and say there were terms not met or enforce an audit. But I'll tell you, this is working out better for Trump. Trump doesn't want them to block certification at the Wayne County level. He wants them to block certification at the state level, which is what might actually happen. So it seems like what happened in Wayne County is completely irrelevant. In fact, I actually think it's all going perfectly for Donald Trump. Now, to be fair, again, there's a whole lot of, but wait, here's how Hillary could still win. Maybe it's just on the outs for Trump, but so long as this stuff's going on, I'm going to cover it and tell you the possibilities, not the probabilities, because I'll tell you this, the probabilities probably very low. But as these things keep moving along, uh, seems like there's a little increase here and there. Check it out. If the Wayne County uh, Canvas Board refused to certify, all that happens is it goes to the state board, which it's already going to do. And then they would have to look over everything and determine if they're going to certify. The state board would have no reason they would just say, OK, I guess we certify. But now they have a reason. The Republicans, at least. You see, when Wayne County said we're not sure about this, the two Republicans, and then they jammed through the certification anyway and then said, we're not going to do your audits, not binding. Now, the state level Republicans, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? We can't certify this. Look at this weird stuff that's going on. Michigan does not then produce the electoral votes. I believe it's 16, right? Joe Biden drops down to 290 and then Trump need only shave off another 21 electoral votes to get a contingent election victory. Now, of course, the mainstream, the, the establishment, they're all saying it's over Joe Biden won. These people don't get it. There's an ad from the Lincoln Project right now. And they're like, in 2016, Donald Trump won Michigan by 10,320 votes or something like that. And then they were like, the Michigan Board of Electors made the right decision and voted for Donald Trump. And then they say in 2020, Joe Biden won by 153,000 votes. And then, and then they're like, Donald Trump is now trying to subvert the election or whatever. And I'm like, the election isn't called by the media. Donald Trump has a right to file challenges and the Constitution uh, states, that's how the process works, for the media to come out and just say that Joe Biden won is incorrect. So here's what I think might happen. Monday is when they're supposed to certify this. I think they've been given great reason not to do so. The Republican GOP, the Michigan GOP, the Republican, the, the, the Michigan Republican Party wants an audit. So why would two of their party members, it's two to two, Republican Democrats certify the election? Why? They want an audit. They're going to demand one. They're not going to fall for the same trick twice. No, 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 no. We'll give you one. Yeah, right. Sorry, not going to happen. They're not going to meet that deadline or they'll get their audit and then the audit will show that Joe Biden won whatever. Apparently, Georgia might go to an audit now as well, although it's kind of too late because certification has already happened. But now that there is certification is when Donald Trump can file to contest the results. That's my understanding. I could be wrong. This is what, you know, some of the rumors that are flying around. The idea being that now that there's a certified results, Trump can challenge the results. Maybe that doesn't make sense at all. They keep saying Trump's challenging the results now, you know, but there's no there's not been certification. John James Michigan should delay election certification. A panel composed of two Republicans and two, two Democrats is set to meet Monday to certify the state's election results. And this, my friends, is what might actually result in Donald Trump getting Michigan or Michigan just going to no one. Let me show you something. Let me show you John James. John James lost by about one by, by 1.7 percent, just around 100,000 or so. That's a little bit less than 100,000. He was running and now he's saying, we shouldn't certify. You know what it means if they do an audit? 
It means it could flip to John James and then lock Republican Senate control. Do you think the Republican Party is going to just walk away? Now, I'll tell you, I don't trust most of these people. Lindsey Graham fist bumping Kamala Harris while claiming Donald Trump should be fighting. Nah, sorry, I don't buy it. But it does seem that the establishment, the the Republican establishment and the Democrat establishment, which is basically the uniparty, as we call it, well, they're falling apart. And many Republicans have retired, bowed out. And now we're seeing a rise of people who actually care, real populists, real conservative, real individuals who want to see this challenged. John James wants to win and he can. If Wayne County isn't certified, I'm pretty sure John James wins over in Detroit. John James lost by over 200, over 300,000 votes. And in Washtenaw County, he lost by just about 100,000 votes. If the Detroit area, which is Wayne County, if they don't certify, John James wins. So I think it's in his best interest, too. I'm not saying he's right or wrong. I'm just saying expect the GOP for a variety of reasons to say F your results. Look, they say the race isn't close. It is if one county can flip this. There's a bunch of different ways to talk about it, but I'll tell you. 70% 70% of the of the canvassing board unbalanced. I have a problem with that. And when they come out and they say, but that's normal. I'm like, wow, are you telling me that there's uh, there's longstanding widespread voter irregularities? What's the point of tabulating the books if you just leave them unbalanced? That's creepy stuff right there from Fox News. They say Michigan's board of state canvassers should delay Monday's planned certification of the November three election results. A prominent state Republican said Friday, clocks are ticking. That's still like a little bit less. It's a week and a half. All right. That's a long time to get stuff done. We'll see. John James, the GOP candidate who competed in the state's U.S. Senate race earlier this month, but is not yet conceded to Democratic incumbent Senator Gary Peters, made the request to the four member canvas board, according to the Detroit Free Press. Quote, I submit this request because I am interested in the truth and protecting the integrity of our elections. James wrote to the board. According to the newspaper, sometimes the truth takes time to surface and it's rarely easy to get. The panel, composed of two Republicans and two Democrats, is set to meet Monday to certify the state's presidential election results, which showed Democrat Joe Biden defeating Trump by about 155,000 votes. In a letter to the board, James calls for a two week delay, which should conveniently break certification deadlines. No, but for at the federal level, it's uh, December 8th. So there's a lot of time. A two-week delay to fully audit the election results, uh, the free press reported. Unofficial results show James trailing Peters in the Senate race by about 92,000 votes, the newspaper reported. Norm Schinkel, a Republican member of the canvas, uh, canvassers board, has said he is leaning toward a delay request. There you go. It's common. Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson audits uh, audits of the voting uh, of the voting are planned for after certificate certifi- certification takes place. Because certification is required to grant officials access to the documents. Benson, a Democrat, claimed no credible fraud allegations have been presented in the state to justify the canvasser board delaying certification. These people are lying. It would be like the analogy. This is the analogy I use. You've heard me say it several times. The Democrats are hearing smoke alarms going off and saying, but there's no fire. No one sees any fire. If you see fire, then we'll go to put out like the smoke alarm is going off. What's the point of having books if you don't care when they're unbalanced? Well, there's no real accusations of fraud. No, but there's the smoke alarm going off. It would be like if you came out and said, this guy set a fire in that building. 
And if nothing was going on, you'd be like, I don't, I don't notice anything. Would you? But then the smoke alarm goes off. And then you're like, not only is the accusation there, the smoke alarm's going off. Let's go check it out. They say on Thursday, the Trump 2020 campaign withdrew a lawsuit challenging election results in Wayne County, Michigan, which includes Detroit, claiming the goal of preventing the country, a county's results from being certified prematurely had been achieved. The county's board certified its election results Tuesday. On Friday, two Republican leaders in Michigan, State Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky and State Speaker of the House Lee Chatfield met with President Trump at the White House and said they had not seen any evidence that would change the outcome of the election in Michigan, but would continue a thorough review of the election's process. You know, this may be, as I've stated, a lot of wishful thinking. Trump can still win. Nah, I don't know. Maybe he can't. Look, okay, no, no, no. Let me me clarify that. Maybe he won't. I got to be careful. I say this because he literally can. I mean, stranger things have happened. Trump could theoretically take a tank and, you know, crash into the White House and be like, I'm the president. And then for some reason, people agree with him. So there's definitely a he can win. But there, there, there is a legitimate path to victory. Legitimate. The states may say we didn't certify because of irregularities in Wayne County. And there's a dispute between the Republicans and the Democrats and the job can't get done. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's likely. I don't think it is. Trump is like likely won't win, in my opinion, but I'm not entirely convinced. And I'll tell you why. I don't know if you saw my earlier segment about the Supreme Court assignments. Amy Coney Barrett now overseeing Wisconsin and Brett Kavanaugh now overseeing Pennsylvania. Clarence Thomas now overseeing Georgia. Samuel Alito overseeing Pennsylvania. That's good news for Trump, I guess. So these are the circuits and the Supreme Court, you know, it could just be nothing because, look, we have nine we have nine Supreme Court justices and they got to assign them. But it is convenient for Trump that his appointees who probably have a, a, a bone to pick, you know, Brett, not, not to impugn their honor and, and imply they can't judge impartially. But uh, I seem to recall Kamala Harris berating Brett Kavanaugh with the stupidest of bunk accusations. I seem to remember watching a video because I wasn't really young enough to remember this of Clarence Thomas being berated by Joe Biden. And now the meme is Clarence Thomas with glowing eyes saying, I've waited 30 years for this moment. I'm not entirely convinced he's going to hold, hold, excuse me, hold a grudge for that long. But Donald Trump says there is something coming out of Georgia. Trump claims that there is big voter fraud information coming out of uh, coming out concerning Georgia as he continues to claim he won the election. Okay. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. But Clarence Thomas now oversees the circuit. I believe it's the 11th, which uh, covers Georgia. We will see how that plays out. They say President Donald Trump continued to allege voter fraud on Saturday. He claimed there is big voter fraud information coming from Georgia. Trump urged his supporters to stay tuned, yet offered no further information on what his campaign claims to have found there. Biden was declared the winner in Georgia after a hand recount this week. Trump's previous claims of fraud have been widely dismissed as his legal team has failed to supply any proof. Yet on Saturday, the president continued to claim he won the election. He also made more unfounded claims of voter fraud in Michigan. We have irregularity. We have absolute irregularity. That's a fact. And it is widespread. There's now been way too much uh, evidence to come out showing that there's irregularities to dismiss. Irregularity is not fraud. It might be fraud, but we're not at that point yet, which is why we need an investigation and a hard hand audit. If there are, as people in Georgia have alleged, ballots that seem to be pristine with machine printing over the Joe Biden, you know, oval or whatever, maybe we should actually check to make sure that's the case. If it is, sounds like evidence of fraud. And if these things disappear, then Trump would win, right? Or more reasonably, 
I think it's very likely it's just going to confirm what we already know. Now, the, 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 the problem we're seeing with Georgia is that they didn't do whatever. They, they, they didn't do a full hard audit. They did a recount. And Trump and the Republicans are complaining that recounting bunk ballots will give you the same numbers. What needs and they, and they also found historical uh, historic margin of votes that weren't counted properly. They were just not counted at all. What we need is signature verification. But let me tell you, Sidney Powell has not produced any evidence. Not that she necessarily has to, but but uh, ignore her. But if you're going to make extraordinary claims, then you need extraordinary evidence. And if you don't put that out, my concern is. Are they just buying time for an electoral college certification victory? If Donald Trump is going to allege fraud across the board, we need evidence of ill intent. Giuliani has said he believes it might come from a centralized plan, some kind of centralized planning. That's a bold statement, brother. That's a bold statement. I have no problem saying we've seen now evidence of widespread irregularity. But to imply that there is widespread fraud requires a step up. We need an investigation. And this is a challenge. It really is. There's a deadline. One of the challenges with the election that makes it unfortunately easy to cheat is that you have only a couple of weeks to certify the results. But it takes a lot longer than that to investigate if there was a crime committed. So what are we supposed to do? There's accusations. There's alarm bells ringing. And we're supposed to just say, we're going to ignore this and we'll deal with it later. What would happen? Think about the crisis we would be in. If with all of these bits of, you know, this, this evidence of irregularity, like the, the, the Matt Brainerd numbers showing Republican ballots weren't returned in high numbers, that's widespread irregularity. The sworn statements. What would happen if we say, I will just certify Joe Biden and we're fine. And then come January, they're like, oh, it turns out he didn't actually win. It was fraud. That would be devastating. The smartest thing we can do as a country is a hard audit verification we have several weeks to do this. We counted these ballots in a few in, in, a, in a day, and then the mail-in ballots took us a couple days. I think we can get the job done in a couple weeks. They just recounted Georgia, but do a signature verification audit. Then we can be done with this. That's why they're calling for a delay in Michigan, and I think it's a fair point. My concern, however, is this. Donald Trump has no legitimate path to victory in the sense that my, this is a concern. I'm not saying it's true because I don't know. I'm not going to assert anybody is playing nefariously until we can prove it. That's the Democrats or the Republicans. But I have two concerns. Perhaps there is widespread fraud. These irregularities and, anom- and, and these anomalies are freaky. Or perhaps Donald Trump and his, and, and his legal team and his allies know that they're never going to be able to uncover this in a longer investigation. But by jamming it up, they can freeze certification and cast enough doubt that the GOP, for instance, says, no, we're not certifying. If that's the case. Actually, that doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter if it's true. I don't know who's going to win the legal battle in the long run, but Trump has the Supreme Court likely on his side. Frank Luntz tweeted in response to somebody who said we should certify the win for Trump. He said you can't certify something that didn't happen. In my response, we are well past the point of anyone caring what's true. This is tribal politics at this point. My side versus your side, and I don't care. The bigger question is counting heads. That's where we are, baby. Donald Trump, can he count on the Supreme Court to take his side? He'll become president. Can the Democrats count on various institutional establishments to take their side? Well, they got the media. Where do you think this goes if Donald Trump is not going to stop? Counting heads. Who's on whose side? If Trump didn't have the Supreme Court, he probably would have walked away a long time ago. 
And that's what that's what's worrying to me. Where this ultimately ends up could be two presidents, two presidents claiming that they're in charge. Well, the news right now is that Twitter says they're going to give Joe Biden the POTUS handle no matter what happens on the 20th. He's getting the Twitter accounts. Okay, but I think you mean if he's inaugurated, what happens if Joe Biden just becomes some kind of rogue president or Donald Trump does? Donald Trump's the one in the White House. There's even calls among conservatives who have mentioned calling in the Insurrection Act. To, to <laughs> these, 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 it's getting freaky. This next week is going to be critical. I hope you've all taken care to just prepare yourselves for what might come. Maybe nothing, maybe something serious. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at a different YouTube channel to clarify. Go to your address bar and type in youtube.com slash TimCast, and you'll be surprised to find it's actually not this channel, even though this one says TimCast, because YouTube, for some reason, did that, and don't ask me why. But I have two channels. The channel you're on right now is Tim is youtube.com slash TimCastNews, and there's another channel where at 4 p.m. I'll be putting up another video, and that is youtube.com slash TimCast. Just type that into the address bar, and you will see, and subscribe if you haven't. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. The recount is underway in Wisconsin, and the Trump campaign ain't having none of it. They're basically objecting to everything, or at least that's what the Biden campaign is complaining about. You see, in one instance, the Trump campaign said, we want absentee ballots kept in a separate pile from the votes. We want to compare them because sometimes there's different ink on the envelope than there is on the ballot. That doesn't make sense. I mean, there might be an explanation in some instances. You filled out the ballot and then you went, oh, my pen's dead and you switched pens. When I filled out my ballot and secrecy envelope, I had one pen. I filled it out. I put it in the envelope. I filled it out. I was done. So the Trump campaign is getting real serious. And of course, the canvassers in Wisconsin and the Biden campaign are acting like it's oh so too difficult. But you know what? Good. I'm glad Donald Trump is dragging this through because now we're actually getting a hard audit to a certain degree of our elections. And in my opinion, we can't just ignore the, the, the elections as though everything's fine and carry on. I think there's got to be some kind of hard scrutiny on our election systems, because I'll tell you this. One thing I've learned from Donald Trump's campaign and from this election cycle is that there are widespread errors and irregularities. And that's coming from a Democrat in Michigan who said, just certify the results. These errors happen everywhere all the time. Why would we accept that? That's insane. Trump objects to counting thousands of Wisconsin ballots. I like how they say Trump, but it's the Trump campaign. I mean, Trump personally isn't there. They say in Madison, Wisconsin, the recount of the presidential election in two of Wisconsin's most heavily Democratic counties began on Friday with President Donald Trump's campaign seeking to discard tens of thousands of absentee ballots that alleged should not have been counted. Trump's three objections attempting to discard the ballots were denied by the three member Dane County Board of Canvassers twice on bipartisan votes. Trump was expected to make the same objections in Milwaukee County ahead of a court challenge once the recount concludes, perhaps as soon as Wednesday. It's not going to end, is it? Joe Biden won Wisconsin by 20,600 votes and carried Dane and Milwaukee counties by a two to one margin. Trump only paid for recounts in those two counties, not in the 70 others, 58 of which he won. There's no precedent for a recount overturning a deficit as large as Trump's in Wisconsin. So his strategy is widely seen as seeking to build a case to take to court. His team on Friday sought to have ballots discarded where election clerks filled in missing address information on the certification envelope where the ballot is inserted. 
any absentee ballot where a voter declared themselves to be indefinitely confined under the law, and any absentee ballot where there was not a written application on file, including roughly 69,000 that were cast in person during the two weeks before Election Day. Hold on a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Absentee ballots where no one applied for them? I think Trump's going to win in in that specific fight, not the whole thing. I don't know if Trump's going to win the whole thing, but it sounds like in that case, at least Trump is probably going to win that one. Amy Coney Barrett is now in charge of this circuit. If there's an emergency order filed or something, Amy Coney Barrett might say we're going to pass this along to the full Supreme Court because doesn't it seem a little odd that someone would send in an absentee ballot when they did not request one? Makes you think, doesn't it? They say Trump attorney Chris Troupas argued that certification envelopes filled out by people who voted absentee in person do not count under the law as a written application, even though the envelope is identified as such. The board of canvassers controlled two to one by Democrats voted unanimously to reject the complaint, in which case it sounds like it was Democrat to Republican. Troupas also argued that people claim to be indefinitely confined, even though they were not. Such a declaration exempts the voter from having to show a photo ID to cast their ballot, which Troupas called an open invitation for fraud and abuse. The Republican controlled Wisconsin Supreme Court this spring ruled that it is up to individual voters to determine whether they are indefinitely confined in line with guidance from the bipartisan Wisconsin Elections Commission. The canvassing board voted two to one to count those ballots with the Republican opposed. Trump's attorney also claimed that the law does not allow clerks to fill in missing information on the envelope that goes with absentee ballots. The state elections commission told clerks before the election they can fill in missing information on the absentee ballot envelopes, a practice that has been in place for at least the past 11 elections. The canvassing board voted unanimously to count those ballots. Trump is lining up a legal challenge on these grounds. But let's let's read on. In both Madison and Milwaukee, the recounts were taking place in large convention centers so workers could be distanced to protect against spreading the coronavirus. Observers were required to wear masks and plexiglass shields were set up. Milwaukee County Clerk George Christensen, a Democrat, said it was irresponsible of Trump to force the recount amid the pandemic that is surging in Wisconsin. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Trump, you should give up. Just stop fighting this this in this race because of covid. No, it's a presidential election and it's going to extend well beyond the limits of just this pandemic. So please, we should not just stop because of this. And you know what? The Democrats might say, but 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 covid. Yes, yes, yes. But 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 covid. I know it's too bad. The election has to happen. I'll tell you what. You know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. We should throw out the whole election and extend the election by several months so that Donald Trump can get a fair shake because of covid. No, it didn't work that way. You can't reject the process because of covid. Otherwise, Trump could have done the same. In Milwaukee, Reverend Greg Lewis, a founding president of groups of faith, of faith leaders who sought to bolster black turnout, said the recount highlights the oppression disenfranchisement, downright racism and disrespect that minority communities in Milwaukee face. Quote, I almost died and we are running around over here counting votes unnecessarily, said Lewis, who contracted COVID-19 earlier in the year. This is nonsense. This is pitiful. Why do we keep putting up with this? The people have decided, let it be because the people haven't decided there's a legal constitutional process. And while I sympathize this guy who got COVID, I, I hope he's healthy. I hope he's all right. Racism. Because you want to count votes? I've said it before, but imagine this. Imagine there are 
voting irregularities, or maybe even fraud outright in minority communities. That fraud undermines the will of those communities, and thus giving them a recount gives them extra protections, in which case I would argue it's actually not racist at all. It's the opposite. You're actually giving them an advantage, making sure their their votes are secure. And then in these other districts where it might not be minority community, you have people whose votes might get diluted by fraud and we don't check on that. Well, it sounds like we're providing extra scrutiny and it's a good thing. Now, over in Milwaukee, apparently, I, be, or I think that was no, this is Milwaukee. It seems like they're actually starting to agree with the Trump campaign. They say the Milwaukee County recount is officially underway at the Wisconsin Center. The board of canvassers opened up around 10 a.m. Friday with a test of the tabulating machines. Within five minutes of the commission opening up the recount, a representative from the Trump campaign expressed concerns of the process. He said with the setup, the observers cannot view the ballots and gave a list of demands. He asked that this be cleared up before any counting of the ballots is done. Quote, I've been informed by our observers that this procedure does not allow them to see and observe the ballots. And I object to that, said Stuart Carge, a Trump representative. The Trump campaign has also asked for information based on the absentee ballot applications. We have eight objections from the Trump camp in Milwaukee. The Trump campaign has been informed by observers, whether sitting or standing, they are unable to see through the plexiglass and observe the ballots and materials being reviewed by election workers. Therefore, they believe there is an inadequate opportunity to observe the ballots. They're requesting items two through seven. They want to ensure that there is a Trump observer at each table, too. They're requesting that all written applications for absentee ballots are present during the recount and set aside for observation, requesting that all absentee ballot envelopes without a written application are set aside for observation, all absentee ballot envelopes with different ink set aside, all absentee ballot logs are available that they are included all uh, that they include all absentee applications. All, uh, uh, yes, six, all absentee envelopes and applications that identify in, indefinitely confined voters are set aside for observation. All copies or other evidence of all photo ID from any uh, absentee ballot are set aside, and they're requesting that all data from all the tabulating machines and all images of the ballots be preserved today and available for observation, and that any and all audit trails and or error trails from tabulating machines November 2 through 5th be made available for observation, as well as the names of any technicians that performed any of this work. They are going hard. Wow. They really believe there's fraud. And they want all the evidence. It's amazing that this investigation is essentially being done through some kind of legal process instead of a law enforcement process. But hey, they think there's fraud. And if they get those names, I wonder if there is. And I wonder if the people who may be, in, may be involved in it are going to be worried. Maybe that's why Democrats are trying so hard to stop this. Instead of saying, do your thing, because come December 14th, we won. Instead, they're saying, stop, stop counting. Stop. It's unnecessary. You're racist. Numerous accusations of racism has, have been swirling. I think we need an audit. I think it all should be audited and we should be looking for fraud. Trump is convinced. He was convinced last time. He's convinced now. How about this? Democrats, you don't like Trump? Give baby his bottle. If you think you won, then say, fine, Trump, do your little audit and stop wasting time. Instead, they're like, no, because he's trying to uh, upend the election. How? Didn't you win? Didn't you win? Then what are you worried about? Joe Biden's already president-elect, they said. Then what are you worried about? I got a couple tweets from Mike Cernovich I want to show you. He says, Trump is closing in on 77, 74 million votes. He pulled up GOP House with him. The only GOP candidates with a future will play tit-for-tat with Democrats. Dems lied about FISA, Kavanaugh, Covington, Smollett, Russia backing election, and more. Trump is giving them payback, and he should. 
He said, I don't think the court cases will go anywhere, but who knows? Anything is possible when you never quit. I'm glad Trump is dragging this out. I was called a Russian asset by Joy Reid, as was veteran Jack Posobiec. Democrats are getting what they gave, and I love it. I'm not all about tit for tat. I'm not all about retribution or revenge or anything like that. But I'll tell you what I do want to see. I want to see that if the Democrats come out and they play dirty, that Republicans don't just sit on their hands. Please like me, they say. I'm not saying tit for tat. I'm not saying, you know, um, act in kind. I'm saying if they're going to play dirty games, go through the legal process to audit the votes and figure it out. Certainly looks like dirty games have been played the entire time, but I don't think the Republicans are actually doing much about it. It's just Trump. But I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in just a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. It seems like the Democratic Socialists are actually winning against the Democratic Party. But if that's the case and the Democratic Party becomes more and more socialist, then Republicans are going to start gaining more and more ground because surprise, surprise, regular Americans don't like this stuff. But there is something interesting here, an interesting argument about what may actually happen. And maybe I'm wrong. You see, Democratic socialists pick up House seats, tout successes despite pushback within party. AOC has said that progressive policies do not hurt candidates. And you know what? Maybe she's right. The Democratic Party has been slowly taken over by the Democratic socialists. So why is it then that the Democrats couldn't win in certain swing states, but they could win in swing states with support from people like AOC? Well, I'll put it this way. I'm a moderate. I lean left. And if I had to be given a choice between the Democratic Party and the Republicans, I pick the Republicans. You know why? Because the Democratic Party is moving too far left because they're nuts. But the Democrats have been trying to, or the Democratic Socialists, activate new voters, people who are socialists and are progressive, but don't vote because they don't care for any of the de- any Democrat or Republican, in which case, in certain seats, the Democratic Socialists actually beat out the moderates because they were able to find those voters. Maybe. I don't know what the future holds. Maybe we see the Democrat, uh, Democratic Socialists become the left-wing populist party. And the Trumpism becomes a right wing populist party. And then we just end up with same old, same old Democrats, Republicans bicker and argue and then vote and then don't. But I think this actually shows we're headed towards some kind of, I don't know, train wreck. Democratic socialists are at serious odds for the most part with Trump supporters and with moderate Americans. Now, I think it's entirely possible that the Democratic Socialists marginalize themselves as moderate Democrats vote Republican instead of voting socialist, in which case the Democratic Party just dwindles and fizzles out or they start winning, become, uh, you know, take over the Democratic Party. And then you end up with two factions that hate each other, that yell at each other, won't compromise at all. And then where does that lead? Physical fighting? Democratic socialists pick up House seats. They say a number of Democratic candidates were backed by Democratic Socialists of America and pushed policies like Medicare for all, the Green New Deal, defunding police and abolishing student debt. Rep AOC, the leader of the influential far left group called The Squad, said after the November 3rd election that we also learned that progressive policies do not hurt candidates. She said every single candidate that co-sponsored Medicare for all in a swing district kept their seat. We also know that co-sponsoring the Green New Deal was not a sinker. Mike Levin of California was an original co-sponsor of the, of the legislation, and he kept his seat. To be fair, he's in California. Among the winning progressives was Rep-elect Mondaire Jones. Along with Medicare for All and Green New Deal, he backed calls to partially defund police departments and abolish cash bail. Quote, 
Congress must cease all funding that militarizes police forces, repeal the 1994 crime bill that accelerates mass incarceration, and abolish cash bail, which condemns poor people to pretrial detention while more affluent people await trial from the comfort of their own homes. Rep. elect Jamal Bowman of New York similarly backed the Green New Deal, canceling student debt, offering free college tuition and Medicare for all, while also calling for shifting funding and resources from police departments, jails and prisons to new agencies designed to protect public health. He has pushed a reconstruction agenda that includes forming a National Truth and Reconciliation Commission to investigate, document and assess the federal government's role in America's history of racism. Now that is crazy and freaky. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you two Democrats who lost. Colin Peterson. He was a conservative Democrat from Minnesota. He lost to a Republican. Why? Because Minnesota does not like the far left progressives, particularly in that district. The Republican won. The Republican gained way more votes. I don't think Colin Peterson entertaining socialist policies would have gotten him this seat. Max Rose, Staten Island. He ran as a moderate and won. He lost this time around. In these these places where they're like, look, the progressives won California and New York. Oh, surprise, surprise. Staten Island. I get it. It's New York, but not the same. Went to the Republican. And so did Minnesota. But let me tell you something. Miami. How is it that safe blue districts voted Republican? That's right. Miami went red. That that made the the, the Democrat who was running there cry. She didn't think she was going to lose. That was guaranteed. They all did. They lost that seat. Even in South Texas, a lot of Latinos, it went heavy red. Trump was winning in places that people didn't think possible. So no, sorry. I don't agree with AOC. I think, of course, she's winning large urban centers. But all that means is the Democrats will be marginalized. So you know what I think? I think I know what the future might hold. It might hold that there is a tiny margin a tiny little bit of Democrats that still exist at some point. And then you're going to have the uniparty, which is the Republicans. The Republicans then start may start fracturing and forming, you know, coalitions. And you might get the conservative Democrats and the moderate. Uh, I'm sorry, the conservative Republicans and the moderate Republicans arguing. But it's going to be a legit uniparty. Now, to be fair, maybe the Republican Party doesn't pull it off. And I'm no psychic, but I can, I can, I'll tell you this. Registration among Republicans was higher than Democrats. And the Democratic Party is the bigger of the two parties. But now the Republicans have been closing the, le- the ranks in certain states because there are active, new, young and inspired Republicans who are going out and registering people to vote. Thus, the Republican Party is growing. If AOC takes over, if her ideas and democratic socialism takes over, you're going to lose you're going to lose the unions. They voted for Joe Biden and they voted against the Democrats for the most part. And it's because the Democrats have gone far left. And to be fair, they kind of waste our time. They say in an interview with Jacobin, and this is Jamal Bowman, he said there is some stigma associated with the word socialism, even though the current capitalist model we have isn't working for the majority of Americans. You see, that's the lie. That's the trick. Capitalism is absolutely working for most Americans. Now, COVID isn't, but capitalism is. Poverty is on the decline. I mean, right now, poor people Many of them, not all of them, some are homeless, but many poor people, people living in poverty have air conditioning and refrigerators and clean running water. Is that perfect? Of course not. We want everyone to have a higher standard of living. And guess what? Capitalism is doing that. So no, these people are lying or they're just not smart. He says, 
We have a system where we have 3 million Americans that own more wealth than the bottom 50% of the country. We have 40 million people living in poverty. We have 15.5 million children living in poverty. What we have now is not working for the masses. If you want to call me a socialist, then call me a socialist. No, I'll just call you not that smart. The number of people in poverty is decreasing. The fact that you have some rich people in this country doesn't change that fact. You want to upend that system, you'll have more people living in poverty. But you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Here's their solution. Under capitalism, you slowly improve everyone's lives. And that means there's going to be a lot of rich people. But the poorest, they start moving up. Under their system, if you can't force someone from poverty, you reduce the line to where poverty is. You know what that means? Destroy the economy. Everybody's poor and then poor is relative. So nobody's poor. Get it? That's the way it would work. You get rid of those rich people. Guess what? The average income is going to drop dramatically, or I should say the median. And then you can be like, look, the average person in this country only makes 20,000 a year. So you're all not poor anymore. Congratulations. You're lower middle class because we just lowered the bar. That's what socialism would do. Capitalism would say, we got a bunch of super rich people, billionaires, millionaires and billionaires. And we got a lot of poor people too. But the poor people are poor relatively, are relative to the rich people. Because I tell you this, the average poor person in the United States, you go, go to a place like Brazil and you'll be like, wow, poor people in the US at poverty level are making almost double, almost. It's like 60% more. So maybe not almost, but about 60% more than the average person in Brazil. Now go look at the poor people in Brazil and you're gonna be like, wow, poor people in the US, some of the richest people in the world. And that is true. Some of, not most, not, not all of are not, you know, there's certainly people who are homeless who have no money and are starving and dying, of course. And we want to help those people. We want to raise everybody out of poverty. And guess what? We do that with capitalism. You know, I'm, I'm all in favor of a mixed economy. So I think it's really funny. These, these, these leftists don't watch any of my content because if they did, they'd be like, well, no, no one's left enough for them. So fine. But I got into a, a Twitter. Uh, I, I was trolling on Twitter. It was fun. And someone was like, you think social Democrats are bad? And I was like, when did I say that? Well, you implied it. No, I didn't. No, I, I, I didn't. I, I have no problem with social Democrats. I have no problem with market economies. Now, I think for the most part, social, social Democrats go a little too far in the taxation route. I'm all about right there in the middle. You know, we got 45% of your general income is taxed, maybe a little bit too much. We do lean a little bit to the right in that regard. But I like the idea of having a free market to an extent regulation, and taxation, a mixed economy. Then we can have national programs that I think would be a really great thing. There's not being administered properly. We can work together as a community towards common goals, and we can make sure we don't drive ourselves off a cliff with laissez-faire capitalism. Now, I know a lot of laissez-faire capitalists disagree with me, and that's cool. I'm just not a far right or laissez-faire capitalist kind of person. Actually, kind of left on a lot of issues. It's just that I'm rather centrist the far left is too far left on policy, and the Democrat neo-lib type people are all insane. So there you go. Where does that put me? I don't know. Nowhere, I guess, because I'm certainly not a conservative, and the leftists don't think I'm a leftist. But to be fair, the leftists don't even actually watch my content. So congratulations, AOC, on your progressive victories, but I think you're marginalizing yourselves. I think the Democratic Party is right about moderate victories, and I think she's looking at their, their, their hyper-partisan bubbles of California and New York and thinking, we're winning, let's do it more. See how that plays out in middle America. I'll leave it there. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes. Stick around, and I will see you all shortly. You want to know how I know 
Donald Trump thinks he is going to win this legal battle for the presidency? If Donald Trump really thought that it was all over, he would be dropping executive order nukes and pardons. So let me tell you this. If come December 14th, Joe Biden is inaugurated, it is going to be the most lit lame duck presidency you have ever seen. Maybe not. Maybe Trump, maybe the leftists are right, that Trump is going to try and get a deal with Joe Biden and say, OK, I won't go nuts, but please don't prosecute me. That's what the left is saying. But Joe Biden has already said he's not going to go after Trump. I mean, it's kind of an unspoken rule. You know, if Trump really did lock up Hillary, they'd come for him next. So Trump didn't do it. Trump didn't lock up anybody, huh? Although they certainly came for him. But I do think Donald Trump is going to want some kind of, I don't know. I don't think that narrative makes sense. Joe Biden's already said it, right? So here's what I think. December 14th. Let's say, let's say this is what happens. Joe Biden is certified the, the winner by the Electoral College. Trump now knows he has just over a month of being president. Julian Assange, pardon. Edward Snowden, pardon. Executive orders potentially ending birthright citizenship. I'm not entirely convinced, to be honest, but I think it's a strong possibility. The reason why I'm not entirely convinced is that Joe Biden is going to reverse everything Trump does for the most part. However, there may be a SCOTUS problem for Joe Biden. You see, Barack Obama created some policies by executive order and the Supreme Court said it was okay. Trump tried to remove them and they said it wasn't. And either way, it would jam up the system for Joe Biden as soon as he got in. Maybe Trump could essentially... You know, it reminds me of you get somebody who's living in an apartment and they refuse to pay their rent. So they get evicted. So what do they do? They trash the place and they spray Hershey's syrup all over the joint. And then the place becomes ruined and they can't move anybody in. Kind of like that. I'm not saying Trump will do that. but That's a possibility, too. No, I think what I think is going to happen. Trump is going to go for a ton of bold policies in his final weeks. At least that's what the Daily Mail says. They say President Trump is reportedly considering signing an executive order ending birthright citizenship before he leaves the Oval Office. On Friday, various sources told The Hill that members of the Trump administration have been discussing the issue with increasing frequency. They are hoping to push the president into taking action before Joe Biden is sworn in on January 20th. Under current law, all babies born in the U.S. are automatically granted citizenship, regardless of whether or not their parents are American. An executive order signed by Trump would likely put an end to such legal protections. The Trump administration declined to comment specifically on the issue when approached by the Hill. Instead, White House Deputy Press Secretary Judd Deere issued a statement saying, since taking office, President Trump has never shied away from using his lawful executive authority to advance bold policies and fulfill the promises he made to the American people. Some constitutional scholars say any executive order Trump signs on the issue would not hold up under the law. They argue that birthright citizenship is protected under the 14th Amendment. However, the courts have not definitively ruled on the issue. A legal challenge would almost certainly follow any executive order signed by the president. And in doing so, Trump could create a pathway for a legal challenge that does end birthright citizenship. They say, according to The Hill, the Department of Justice has been consulted about a possible birthright citizenship order, given that it would have uh, have deal have would have dealt with the legal implications of any new policy. It would have to deal. The president has previously discussed ending birthright citizenship, claiming that he can indeed enforce the action without an amendment. It was always told to me that you need a constitutional amendment. Guess what? You don't. Trump told Axios in 2018. 
Trump told the publication at the time that he had been talking about it with his White House counsel. It's in the process. It'll happen with an executive order. What is birthright citizenship? They say, well, I'm not going to read through all of this, but I'll give you a gist. It's basically came about my understanding um, after the end of slavery. We had a bunch of people, formerly slaves, and we need to make sure that these people were treated as full and equal citizens, though that wasn't for a long time. And many would argue that they're still not being treated completely equally. I actually think to a certain degree, that's true. Absolutely. There are many parts of this country that are very racist, but I, but I digress. The 14th Amendment was basically saying, OK, these people were born here, therefore they're citizens. But this created a really weird precedent that almost no country actually follows, that just because you're born here, you are a citizen. It gives rise to things like birth tourism, where someone will come to the U.S. from another country to have their kid so that kid can be dual citizens with whatever country their, their parents were from. I think that's an ex, that, I think that's exploiting the system. In fact, there are exemptions to this, that if you're like an ambassador or whatever and you have a kid here, it doesn't they're like that one doesn't count, you, you know, because you're an ambassador. Why would it count for anybody else? I don't think birthright citizenship, the way it's being operated now, makes a whole lot of sense. I don't. I think the general idea about it that you're born here to residents or, you know, people who actually live here makes sense. And maybe that's the compromise. Let's say your parents are permanent residents, but not citizens. You're born here. I think that would make sense for you to be a citizen. You're they're permanent residents. They're not going back to their home country. So you're going to grow up here. What do we do? Do we have to then say like, well, this baby then has to take a test to become a permanent resident because they're not a citizen? Or do we say, okay, this one makes sense. I think that one makes sense. But then we see these other problems. What if someone is a tourist? Nah, we, that, that makes no sense. If someone's like, I'm going to fly here for a three-month visa to see the sights, well, had a kid. Nah, that doesn't make sense, right? So maybe there is something to, you know, let me, actually, let me read what the critics say. They say, critics of birthright citizenship oppose the fact that illegal immigrants and visitors to the U.S. can give birth to children who automatically have American citizenship. Such children are sometimes offensively referred to as I'm not going to say what they're offensively referred to. A 2016 report in the LA Times described the phenomenon of birth tourism from China. According to the report, many wealthy Chinese citizens fly to the U.S. to give birth. This means that their children automatically become U.S. citizens, making the process of applying to top American colleges easier in the future. There is nothing in the law that makes it illegal for pregnant women to enter the U.S. A spokeswoman for the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement told the paper at the time. Birthright citizenship is not a common practice. Less than 40 countries offer birthright citizenship. And Canada is the only other Western nation which does so. Children born in Australia, New Zealand, and other countries across Europe do not automatically attain citizenship. All right. Well, why don't we adopt that standard that these other countries that we love so much do? Look, I'm not so concerned about birthright citizenship for the most part. The bigger issue is I think we're going to have a lit lame duck session. Who knows what Donald Trump is going to do? But I got some suggestions. Nonviolent drug offenders in federal prison. Pardon all of them. Okay, not all of them. Do a review process somehow, but you don't got a lot of time. Trump could maybe issue an executive order creating the commission to pardon these individuals pending a review. You know, and, and, and it's a good point people brought up. There may be a violent offender who, pled, who, who pleaded down to some like nonviolent charge just because they're like, it's easier and they'll plead to it and they'll go to prison. I'd love to see Trump pardon like just like almost everybody. Violent offenders got to stay. People who have violent histories and pleaded down got to stay. But if they're a nonviolent offender across the board, for the most part, I'm kind of OK with pardoning most of these people. And I'm not talking about drugs right now. Maybe there's some like process crime 
send them home. Maybe there's some kind of um, uh, what's what's another good example? I don't know. Stealing or trading in certain goods or something like that. I'm down for Trump to be like, we're going to get rid of this stuff. Somewhat, somewhat. The reason I say this is because I think there are certain circumstances where people end up in prison with ridiculous sentences for really, really dumb things. Okay, I rem- I, and, and, and hear me out. because I know a lot of people are saying, wait a minute, Tim, you're talking about people who stole stuff. No, no, no. Hear me out. I went over. A, uh, there was a story in Illinois about this 18 year old kid who went into his neighbor's house. The neighbors let them gave them keys and said, we need you to watch our property while we're gone. So this 18 year old kid has the keys. He enters the property and takes a beer from the fridge and is drinking it when the cops see the light from the fridge and they know it's a small town. They know the people weren't there. They go in and they find this kid drinking the beer. So they write it up saying burglary and cops probably should have shuffled the kid along. The kid got prison time for burglary because it was the state. The people who lived there were like, we don't care that he came in our house and took the beer. And they said, did he have permission to go in your house? Well, his parents did. Not up, 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 up. Mandatory minimums. He's got to go to prison. There's certain things like that where there's a lot of people that probably should be pardoned. Donald Trump should light it up. Just be like, free to go, free to go, free to go. Now, the easiest thing to do is nonviolent drug offenders. I want to see that. I'm not entirely convinced Trump is going to do anything cool or crazy. He might do things that are crazy, but uh, I'm hoping that on his way out, you know, first and foremost, pardon for Julian Assange. Get that man out of this. This is ridiculous. Let Julian Assange go. 100%. I hope Trump does something good. You know, it's really weird to me. Julian Assange used to be a hero to the left. Now he's not. Now they hate him. He was smeared. He was smeared by the very intelligence agencies the left claimed to oppose. And I think I know the answer as to why this is happening. You may ask yourself, why is it that so many of these leftists now completely flip-flopped? They used to oppose the Obama administration. Now they're voting for Biden? Because it's not the same left. Ten years ago. You know, so I had Vosh, the, the socialist on my podcast. I think he's 26 or so. When I was at Occupy Wall Street and I was like 25, he was like 16. So he had no idea what was going on. I grew up with a left that was challenging the machine, the financial uh, institutions, talking about the Federal Reserve. There's an overlap between the left libertarians, and the right libertarians in that capacity. But he was 16. Now he's 26 and he doesn't know about all that. So he's not the same left. And then they start taking over the cultural institutions because there are people pandering to them for their votes. Democrats love low information voters. And then that means people like me who are leftists on a lot of policy are not really left anymore. I think that's the funniest thing, too, when these leftists with the little rose symbols in their Twitter accounts are like, Tim Pool's not a leftist and he claims he is. I kind of always claimed I was an independent left leaning. But yeah, I actually am pretty socialistic in a lot of ways. And a lot of people don't know this. If only they actually saw how I ran my business, they'd be like, well, that's the kind of business that I want to work at. (laughs) Yeah, because I don't run it like a ruthless capitalist. I don't. Maybe I'd do better if I did, but I don't because I am pretty left leaning on a lot of issues. But I digress. Donald Trump. Let's see some pardons. If Donald Trump actually gets a second term, I think it'll be just bedlam. But maybe because he's not going to get reelected, he'll be like, my first order of business is going to be Julian Assange, free to go. Edward Snowden, free to go. All these nonviolent drug offenders, free to go. Wishful thinking. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.